0: On the dawn of August 19, 1984, in the city of Manassas, Virginia, at about 4 a.m., 31-year-old trooper Johnny Rush Bowman was awoken by the sound of incessant loud knocking on his door. According to his now-adult daughter, his wife told him not to answer the door, but he regardless opened it, only to be viciously stabbed over 40 times, resulting in his death. It has now been more than 35 years since his murder, and this case remains unsolved. Let's break down the details. Secrets of the Trees presents the unsolved murder of Trooper Johnny Rush Bowman. Trooper Bowman was a 62 former Marine Corps sergeant and at the time of his death had already been with the Virginia State Police for five years. This was a man who would have had years of training to see the dangers in everyday situations and would have known how to assess and proceed in said situations. His daughter Nikki Bowman stated that he had been doing a special assignment the night before came home to sleep for a few hours before heading back out to work again. There was a loud knocking on the door, and it was non-stop with potential doorbell ringing as well. Trooper Bowman came downstairs dressed in Adidas athletic shorts, a t-shirt, sneakers, and was unarmed. His wife, who was already downstairs, pleaded for him not to answer, but he went ahead towards the door. The assailant identified themselves through the door as the fucking power company, using the actual word, And so, Trooper Bowman opened up. He was stabbed between 40 and 45 times, receiving injuries to the face, throat, and upper body. Police believe that he tried to bear hug the assailant as he also had multiple wounds to his side. Police also deduced that after Bowman fell down to the ground in the fetal position, the attacker continued to stab Bowman repeatedly, creating a pool of his blood. The assailant then fled on foot as police found tracks of bloodied footprints leaning away from Bowman's residence and across a parking lot. They left behind a pair of sunglasses a curly-haired wig, and a construction hard hat. Bowman was pronounced dead 45 minutes later at Prince William Hospital. The more I researched this case, the more confusing it became. According to the sources I read, Bowman's wife, Terry, had fallen asleep downstairs on the couch and was awakened by the doorbell ringing. She heard her husband come downstairs and also heard the attacker state that he was with the fucking power company. Then she heard the commotion. All this was happening while in complete darkness. She says she ran down the hallway and dialed 911 twice, wherein she told dispatch her husband was being assaulted just a few feet away from her. She then stated later it was too dark to see the killer. So why was the killer wearing sunglasses if it was so dark? Bowman's brother Bobby was in town visiting and sleeping upstairs. He came running downstairs once he heard the commotion, trying to help his brother. He stated he and the assailant fought briefly and that the killer was a large black man. Police later revealed that the evidence suggested the killer was a white male, conflicting with Bobby's claims. If Bobby and the suspect fought, why didn't the assailant stab him as well? Police believed that the murder weapon was a folding knife which the assailant could have put away. However, if Bobby was chasing the killer, why not take it out of his pocket, if that was the case, and also stab him? Or kill him as well? And... Wouldn't have Bobby also been covered in blood and leaving a second set of bloody footprints? This is where I can't wrap my head around. Why would Bowman, who was former military and a current cop, answer the door unarmed so early in the morning if the activity or meeting wasn't preplanned? Why did he come down dressed in athletic gear and sneakers? I mean, not even flip-flops? So, was he planning on going jockeying or meeting someone for a run? And why would he open the door to a stranger completely unarmed, while his doorway area was in complete darkness, as his wife stated. And again, because I'm trying to drive a point home, unarmed, and with a child at home, why so many blatant risks? Also, why would Bowman open the door to someone who identified themselves as the fucking power company, using the vulgarity itself? I can't imagine a situation where if someone said, it's the fucking maintenance man, or it's the fucking city official, I would just open the door nonchalantly. However, if it was someone I knew and they said something similar, joking, or just to be crass, I would open the door without any concern. Nearly two years after the murder of Trooper Bowman, in 1986, officials claimed that a dramatic progress had been made in the case with an arrest coming soon. These officials also claimed that there was a high degree of familiarity and emotional involvement between the suspect, Bowman and Terry, Bowman's wife. While whatever relationship was going on was not a love triangle according to them, they believed this murder occurred because of personal problems between the three of them. They also believed that the suspect had been at the home prior to the murder, the suspect being fellow state trooper Perry L. Worrell. Shortly after Bowman's death, Worrell was put on administrative leave and then left the agency entirely. The lead investigator in this homicide, Robert C. Martin, claimed that police were 99.4% certain they knew who killed Bowman. What an odd number. 99.4. Not 0.5, but specifically 0.4. However, in the end, no arrests were made. Whirl's attorney stated that he was placed on leave for medical reasons as he was upset of the death of Bowman as apparently the Bowmans and Whirls had been friends for a very, very long time. What I will present now is speculation and opinions inferred from the material that I've read, and it is very, very limited material that I was able to source. Now that we've covered the Bowmans and the Whirls had been friends for the supposed long period of time, is it possible that Bobby knew Whirl? Maybe he didn't know him personally or all that well, but knew of him and what he looked like. Maybe he saw Worrell assaulting Bowman, but was scared and stated he saw a large black male to protect himself. I could understand how he could be fearful of going against a police officer and would provide different details to investigators to maybe show Trooper Worrell he would not go against him, especially since the murder of his brother failed to secure an arrest. His daughter, Nikki, who was just two years old at the time of the attack, is now a police officer herself. In 2018,
1: she was filmed asking for any tips or leads to help resolve this murder. Maybe the story that's out there is not actually what happened. Um, And that's why I need people who have overheard, have been told something, um, or who were there. I need them to come forward. Somebody knows specifically what happened that day. And if I had to lay money on it, it's not what's been told. So yes, as much as I would love um, for it to be done and over with... um, I'm still willing to let it go forward um, and still kind of advocate the case and be here for my dad. Um, Not only do I deserve answers but so does he. Um, He may not be here to get it but I know when it comes out he'll hear it and he deserves that.
0: I thought it was interesting how she stated that her and her father needed closure on this matter but did not mention her mother. Now I wasn't able to determine if her mother has passed however I did find an article dated in 2004 stating that she had remarried and was estranged from her second husband. Even if her mother did pass, however, why not also state that she hopes her mother has closure as well from her husband's brutal death, especially one that she allegedly had sort of witnessed, but not? I mean, that was what she said according to her story. Nikki also stated that she doesn't believe the story that has been told all this time. She says that she feels something's off, and I think she's right. I think she's justified in feeling that maybe some folks around her are withholding critical details. Hairs were recovered from the wig, and police were able to trace the hard hat to a military surplus store in Baltimore. But these did not provide a significant break in the case. Police had several theories, including a dispute caused by sudden rage and a drug-induced crime. However, nothing came to fruition on these ends. The use of a disguise and the hour of the attack led most investigators to believe that this attack was calculated. Investigators also posited that Bowman may have known harmful details about another individual and that's why he was murdered. Now this makes sense, especially when all I've read about Bowman was that he was an honest, dutiful, hardworking man. If he came across a dirty cop, then naturally they'd want to silence him. If Bowman had mentioned to his brother that he believed there were dirty cops around him, Bobby may have equally been petrified he or his wife could have been next. If a dirty cop did what they did to Bowman who was former military and cop, what could they have done to a civilian with potentially no training? I also found an obituary for Don Donnie Von Bowman, mother to Johnny and Bobby Bowman. The obituary stated that Bobby was already deceased by the time of her passing on February twenty first, twenty twelve. In the guestbook entries there was one posted on February twenty fourth, twenty twelve, by Terry Bowman Hunley, which stated Downie, I'm sorry that the tragedy of Johnny's murder separated our lives and created such a distance between us. I know with your passing, you are no longer in pain and have finally been reunited with Rush, Johnny, and Bobby. I hope the reunion brings you peace and happiness you have longed for over the years. Nikki will be with you on Saturday to bid you farewell. Please smile down on her to ease her pain that she feels without you. Now, I'm aware that anyone can make an entry into an obituary and write all sorts of things. Did Terry really write this? This was a high-profile case at the time. It could have been written by someone else who kept track of the family over the years. That's a possibility. But let's say this was truly Terry writing this entry. She stated, I am sorry that the tragedy of Johnny's murder separated our lives and created such distance between us. She also wrote, Nikki will be with you on Saturday to bid you farewell. Please smile down on her to ease her pain that she feels without you. So Terry didn't attend the funeral? And why did Johnny's murder cause a rift between them? Was Don already suspicious or even wary of Terry prior and during Johnny's and Terry's marriage? Did Don hold the opinion that Terry had her son murdered? Does this tie back into the triangle proposed by police earlier? As if all that was not confusing enough, I came across a Facebook account of a gentleman called Billy Rhodes. As of late, he has not been active on this account. However, he had a few frenzied posts stating that the murder of Johnny was a cover-up. Rhodes stated that the prosecutor at the time, Paul Ebert, was 99.4% of a conviction, even though Ebert went on record at the time saying that there had been no arrests thus far because we haven't had enough evidence to convict. Ever would not say what further evidence would secure the prosecution's case. Rhodes then mentioned a young attorney at the time called Carol A. Weimer Jr., who is now a judge. I was able to confirm that there is a judge by that name in the 31st Judicial Circuit in Virginia, which is in Manassas. He goes on to state that Judge Weimer had a sister named Melanie Sue Weimer, who married Worrell. In what appears to be a fit of rage and jealousy, Worrell, whom Rhodes claims is his cousin, stabbed Johnny 45 times because of Melanie. He goes on to say that Melanie Sue's name is now Melanie Rusnak and relocated to Dumfries, a half an hour away from Manassas. The articles I found confirmed that Worrell's wife was Melanie. I also found an obituary for the father of Judge Weimer, which lists the names of family members. There was no mention of a Melanie as a daughter. While I could not find confirmation this was the same individual, I found an obituary online for Perry L. Worrell, Who passed away in 2015? Billy Rhodes claims to be Worrell's cousin, but how do we know that's true? On Worrell's obituary, a Billy Rhodes said, "Sorry, my brother, I will always love you." An entry by a Melanie of Dumfries, Virginia, wrote, "We started out with promise, but circumstances got in the way. I hope you now have all the answers and that you have finally found the peace that you so justly deserve." What does that mean? We started out with promise, but circumstances got in the way. What circumstances? Again, this could be a random person scribbling this, just as I have already mentioned. If Billy's claims are true, that Judge Weimer was somehow connected to this, and somehow decided to assist his brother-in-law and sister, if it even is his sister, what kind of pull could he have had as a young attorney to bury a murder as grisly as this? Aside a Facebook account and a guest entry on an obituary, I don't know who this Billy Rhodes person is or if he even is related to Whirl. Why did Terry change her story about being unable to see the killer? Why would Bobby say that he grappled with the killer, yet was not covered in his brother's blood and there was only one set of bloodied footprints? Why would officials be 99.4% sure that they would secure an arrest? I mean, 04 Really? And what are with these comments left on these obituaries? We started out with promise, but circumstances got in the way. Circumstances like being considered a suspect for a horrifying murder, I could imagine how that would destroy anyone's marriage, even more so if it was true and caused by jealousy. Unfortunately, as time passes, people have died and potentially taken secrets to their graves. Nikki Bowman has lived for decades wondering who murdered her father. She is quoted as wondering if her father would be proud of her for becoming a police officer and just wants the chance to tell him that she loves him. Hopefully, advancements in forensic technology will provide Officer Bowman the closure and peace she and her father deserve. It is also worth mentioning that this homicide remains the only unsolved murder case of a state trooper in Virginia. The FBI is offering a reward of up to $50,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the individual or individuals responsible for Trooper Bowman's murder. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Virginia State Police Fairfax Field Office at 703-803-2676, or the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. You can also submit a tip online at tips.fbi.gov.
1: And I would find it very hard to believe that there's not someone or multiple people that know what happened that day, whether it was by word of mouth, they were there. Someone that was there told them. Um, but somebody knows something. There's, to me, there's no way that that's not possible. Um, and I would just hope that they could find it in their hearts um, and do the right thing.